You cannot cancel Thanksgiving. You cannot cancel Christmas. And you cannot cancel the 4th of July. Nathan's is the 4th of July. The 4th of July is America. Therefore, by the transitive property we learned in high school, Nathan's is America. And we will go forth on the 4th of July. What's going on, everybody? How you doing? It is Friday, July 3rd, 2020. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. And what you just heard right there was George Shea explaining that the Nathan's hot dog eating contest will go on as usual, as planned. They are going to be moving the location. I will have more on that later, but that there is a great intro. George Shea, if you've never heard him introducing the contestants at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. It is an event in and of itself, and you should YouTube it or watch tomorrow on said 4th of July. You can officially, well, I'm going to I'm gonna hold off on that till a little bit later in the show and what I was just going to say. But with that being said, we've got a lot to discuss. I just want to warn everybody that I apologize if there's any noise in the background of this episode. I couldn't wait much longer, but we have some construction people at the house working on the back deck and some other things. So um, it might get some, it might get a little loud with some sawing or some hammering. Um, hopefully, I can drown that out as much as possible in post production. Okay. With that being said, I also want to mention that I had a great time doing an episode on Monday with my boy Nick. Okay, um, if you listen to that episode, great. If not, go ahead, catch up on that. It was about 40 minutes or so, not too bad. We recapped the weekend for the most part and what was going on there in sports. Surprisingly, now having only four days of sports to talk about on this Friday here, I have a lot going, going on in this episode. There's a lot to discuss. A lot has been happening in the sports world thus far in these past couple of days since Tuesday. So we're going to jump right in. We're going to dive into the NBA to start. And with that being said, the NBA announced that they will be painting Black Lives Matter on all three arenas in Orlando. The WNBA is also discussing doing something similar for the restart of their season. This comes on the heels, of course, of the league, the PA, the Players Association, and Nike working to allow players to swap the names on the backs of their jerseys for statements on social justice, okay? Um, Here's an interesting, this is interesting. Um, Here's what J.J. Redick had to say, who in fact is a white player in the NBA. The rage and the anger is real, and it's valid, and it's warranted. We all recognize that this change is not going to happen overnight. There have been people fighting for this change for centuries, for decades. But we have to figure out uh, hard solutions to these very hard problems. That was J.J. Redick. Well said, right? And of course, now to get the perspective of someone from the black community, Toronto Raptors point guard Fred Van Vliet. Here's what he had to say, his thoughts. Obviously, we all know the right thing to do is to not play, to take a stand to, you know, morally. Yes, that makes sense. But life goes on. We're all young black guys and none of us want to give any money back. And I don't think that we should. And I think that that money can be used in many different ways. Well said. That sort of goes back to the point that Austin Rivers was trying to make going against um, Kyrie Irving's stance, where Kyrie Irving doesn't want to play. He thinks that they should focus on social justice. But a lot of these guys that don't make your buku bucks, they want to be able to earn that paycheck and use it to push forth this this movement or or make a change in their community. All right, um, next up, more bad news for the Brooklyn Nets, my Brooklyn Nets. This is this is unfortunate for for my Nets. I I know this wasn't the year that they were talking about contending. I get all of that, but a lot of this during the quarantine, there was talks that Kyrie would come back from shoulder surgery, maybe Kevin Durant would play because he was expecting to play in the Olympics when they resumed before the coronavirus, and instead the Nets will be without Kyrie, without KD, without Wilson Chandler, now without 
DeAndre Jordan and Spencer Dinwiddie is up in the air. They're down five players at least, right? You So DeAndre Jordan tested positive for coronavirus. He said he's not going to participate in the restart. This is not good. This is very concerning as a Nets fan. I, I spoke about Spencer Dinwiddie. He has coronavirus as well, but his status is up in the air. Um, this is just not looking good for, for the Brooklyn Nets at all. And for more on that, let's hear from Woj and what he thinks about the Nets moving forward towards this restart in Orlando. There's concern on the Nets that as they lose more players, um, they're going to be, as they become less competitive, that it's causing other players to wonder, is it worth me going to play? And that puts the Nets in a difficult position. They might suffer more attrition here before they even get to Florida. Next up, the Denver Nuggets. They closed their practice facility on Saturday after three members of the organization tested positive for COVID. Originally, two members had tested positive before the shutdown, but according to Woj, there had been or there has been at least one more case since Saturday. Now, let me just say this. We know what this is. We know that there are going to be positive tests as these players come into training facilities and practice. We've seen it with the Nets. We're now seing it with the uh, Nuggets. Okay, we know Jokic had tested back in Serbia for it. We're going to see players test positive right now because nobody's in the bubble. Everybody's out and about. Like Places are reopening, you know, outdoor dining, and people are going to the store. These are regular people as well. They're coming in contact with others, maybe family members. You can't really control the environment that they're in. So this is really not, in my opinion, much of a concern. And to to reiterate that, here is what Adam Silver had to say. I think one thing we're learning about this virus is much is unpredictable. And I think we and our players together um, with their union, the Players Association, look at the data on a daily basis. And if there was something to change that was outside of the scope of what we're playing for, certainly we would revisit our plans. I'd also say, I mean, we're testing daily. I mean, I, we haven't put a precise number on it, but if we were to see a large number of cases and we were to see spread in our community, that of course would be a cause for us to stop as well. So there you have it from the commissioner of the league. A little bit of concern here with, I heard this on the radio the other day, all the players are going to be obviously quarantined in this bubble for a couple months. No, nobody coming in and out. Families will be allowed after the first couple of months, right? But with the commissioner, he it was announced that he will not be staying in this bubble. He is going to come and go as he pleases. And so I think that's an interesting case because granted, he is the commissioner and he, you know, can do whatever he wants. He probably should be leading by example. So if they're going to be stuck in in the bubble. Why shouldn't the commissioner, he, you know, he could do everything remotely. Where else does he have to go or have to be that he, you know, the NBA is going on in this bubble. This is his whole job is, is basketball. So I don't understand why he won't be able to, or he isn't going to be quarantined in the bubble. I get it. You want your own bed to sleep in at night. It's better to be in your own house, but if the players have to do it, you're the, you're the head honcho lead by example. And I think that you should be quarantining in the, in the bubble as well. Now, more on the restart from uh, Adrian Wojnarowski. I will give the NBA credit for this. I think Adam Silver has used this word. Like, you have got to be humble in your approach here because the virus is in charge. They talk about the idea that the bubble, if it gets infected with viruses, there's going to come a point where this grand experiment could fall flat. They know that. They know what's on the line here. And this is, this is a tremendous risk that everybody is still taking. Yes, it is a risk, but I do feel that once everybody is contained in the bubble, they will be able to contain this. Now, the question remains, obviously, if somebody gets it inside the bubble, will they be able to contain it or does it spread like wildfire? That would be the only issue that could I that I could foresee causing a huge hiccup or a, a cancellation in the season. Okay, Three Pelicans players have also tested positive for coronavirus this week. They did not reveal the players' names, citing privacy issues. Head coach Alvin Gentry, 
His status for Orlando is up in the air, or it was earlier in the week. He is 65 years old and and considered high risk because of his age. However, he said himself he does not plan on backing out and that he will be in the bubble coaching his team. We're not going to go down and play guys 40 minutes. Uh, you know, that, that doesn't make sense. I don't think, uh, and we'll have a gauge, you know, obviously we got a, a tremendous medical staff. We've already communicated with them and, uh, we'll talk to the players and, you know, but we'll try to do what's right as far as being competitive, giving us an opportunity to win, but obviously we're not going to risk anything from as far as long-term future with players. That's going to be an integral part of our franchise. So in layman's terms, or what that all means, is that they are going to do everything in their power to protect Zion. They know that right now they're on the outside looking in. They're sitting in 10th place in the West, three and a half games back, eight regular season games to go once this all starts back up in the bubble. Okay, it is an uphill climb for the Pelicans, but they do actually have the easiest schedule of all 22 teams in the bubble. And it does help that they have J.J. Redick, who I, you know, we heard from earlier. J.J. Redick has been to the playoffs in every season of his career, and he's played on a bunch of different teams. So is this the year that being, you know, this is an anomaly year. Obviously, we have this coronavirus going on. It's unprecedented times for sports. All right. So the question remains, will the streak be broken for J.J. Redick? Because, as you heard from Alvin Gentry, they're going to be very cautious of the way they play these players. And I think a lot of teams that are in similar uh, situations like the Brooklyn Nets, you know, the, the, the Pelicans here, a couple of other teams that have very bright futures ahead of them, are they going to risk players getting injured to try to make a playoff push when they probably realize that they're not contending for a championship right now? Although this is probably your best chance as a lot of teams are not at full capacity with top players um, backing out of the restart. So it, it remains to be seen. But yeah, translation, Zion is going to be protected no matter what. Now, there is talk about the restart being, you know, will this year's champion have an asterisk next to it because teams, like I just said, are not going to be at full capacity. And that's a good point to bring up because you figure, you know, the season isn't going to be as many games, right? Eight regular season games, and then you're getting into the playoffs. Some teams are not at full capacity, whereas others might be. So does this put a damper in things? Does this make it um, so that whoever wins the championship is looked upon as not maybe not really, you know, a real winner in in the eyes of the public? Um, Here's an interesting, here's some quotes um, from, some of the league's biggest stars and coaches. You have uh, Giannis, um, Frank Vogel, Nug- and Nuggets head coach Mike Malone. Here's what they all had to say on on whether or not that the restart or this year's champion will be tainted in any way, shape, or form. At the end of the day, this is going to be the toughest like championship you could ever win. You know, uh, because like the circumstances are really, really tough right now. So whoever wants it more uh, is going to be able to go out there and take it. If we are able to to come through all of this uh, and achieve the ultimate prize, I do think it deserves uh, a harder than ordinary asterisk if you're going to put an asterisk on it. If you're able to go into a bubble, to be isolated from your friends and family, to have no home court advantage, to have a league interruption of four months, and you're able to spend 90 days and come out of there a champion, I think this will be the toughest championship ever won. Let's not kid ourselves. This will not be the toughest championship ever won. And so honestly, personally, I do believe you're going to have some sort of asterisk next to this champion because players are opting out. We still don't know the status of a Dwight Howard. We still don't know the status of a lot of these players. Damian Lillard, I'll get into that a bit later. He talks about it. You have some other superstar players that are contemplating backing out of the restart. So you're definitely not going to have teams at full capacity, full roster strength. So yes, you have to, by, by nature, put an asterisk next to this or you know, and, and say, look, Yes, you won a championship. We're not going to take that away from you. But if this was a full regular season, full strength of every roster, would you have won this championship? 
Maybe, but also uh, maybe not. Now, the what's interesting about this, like I said, a lot of these teams are not going to be at full strength, of course. So what makes this even more interesting is that ESPN put out their basketball power index, excuse me, and they listed the Bucks as the favorite to win the championship. They are giving them an 83% chance to win the title. That is extremely high. The next closest below them is the Lakers with just a 13% chance. Then you have the Clippers with a 2.3% chance and the Raptors with a 1.2% chance. Now, it's interesting about the Raptors because they have been in this bubble the longest. They got there like a week, week and a half ago or so. So maybe, hey, who knows if that helps them in any way, shape, or form. Now, why would you say are the Bucks such heavy favorites? Well, because they are expecting every single player on the roster to show up to Orlando. Their head coach, Mike Budenholzer, said as much. And the same, like I said, can't be said for these other teams. The Lakers, they don't know the status of Dwight Howard. Avery Bradley already backed out. That's a big loss there. Yes, they're replacing him with NBA champ J.R. Smith, but he's been out of the game for a year, and he does not play defense, and he chucks up threes. And if he's not you know, getting in a groove, it's going to be a disaster for them there. So they lose a lot there. You know, The Clippers have had players that have backed out. You know, This goes for the whole league. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this goes um, moving forward. Now, Damian Lillard, he was just revealed as one of the three cover athletes on the NBA 2K21 um, video game. Here's what he has to say. I mean, I mean, this is one of the biggest superstars in the game. Now, he is questioning the restart. You're telling me you're going to have, you know, 22 teams full of players follow all the rules? Like, when we have 100% freedom, everybody don't follow all the rules. So I don't have much confidence, but hopefully it'll be handled to a point where like, we're not putting everybody at, at risk or in a dangerous position. Yeah, that is putting it bluntly. He's not holding back. He's saying it how it is. And I'm, I do agree with him in the sense that, you know, you're not, even if you put the rules in place, guys might not follow the rules and whatnot. So it's going to be hard. But Hopefully they, like I said, this does not go awry. This turns into, you know, something that we could look on for support, you know, to take us away from what's going on in society, to give us some freedom to, to just sit back and watch sports again and enjoy it. And, you know, like I said, if, 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 if it spreads throughout that bubble, we are going to have a big disaster on our hands and they're going to end up canceling the season and it's going to look ugly for the sport. Now, other players that are unsure of whether they are going to play in the bubble, you have Victor Oladipo and Bradley Beal. They are still unsure. Um, Bradley Beal is working on some injury stuff here and there, so he's not sure he's going to consult with his training staff and whatnot. Okay. You also have the NBA yesterday. They announced they are considering now a second bubble for the eight teams that are not invited to Orlando. So Woj reported that the league is close to signing off on a second bubble that would actually be in, uh, Chicago. The move would allow for a little mini training camp and then games against each of uh, of the clubs, which would actually begin in September. So that's interesting, sort of like a mini tournament for the teams that did not make the playoffs or did not make it to the to the restart. Uh, speaking of 2K21, NBA 2K, the video game, Kobe Bryant was named the final cover athlete for the game in a special Mamba Forever edition. I will probably get that. It's been a while since I bought uh, NBA 2K. I bought 2K20 on my Xbox, the digital version, when it went on sale, and I played that a few times. But always a great game. But yeah, this will be a special edition. It's probably going to go for somewhere around a hundred bucks. Um, pre-orders will be uh, began yesterday. You can pick up the game. It releases September 4th. You had Damian Lillard announced as the first athlete on the cover, and then Zion will be the second, and then of course you have Mamba. So three different ones. I, get, I don't know if you could choose which one you want or it's random or whatever, but since you're pre-ordering it, I assume you can choose when you pick it up in person. If you don't pre-order, I guess it's probably uh, whatever they have in stock. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm considering getting the Mamba Forever Edition for sure. Okay, yesterday the NBA also announced nine more players tested positive for coronavirus. The nine positive tests were found between June 24th and June 29th. 
bringing the overall total to 25 players out of a pool of 351 who have been tested since June 23rd. Again, let's pump the brakes. It does it may it might seem like, you know, a lot of players, but it's really not. 25 players out of 351 is just over 7%. Now, once everyone is in the bubble, like I said, they should be able to contain this. These numbers will go down to virtually zero, we hope. Um, the Clippers, they also closed their team's practice facility yesterday as precaution after a positive coronavirus test within the traveling party headed to Orlando. Now they can reopen the facility before Wednesday, but that's when they're headed down to Orlando anyway. So we're close to this restart here. Most of these teams are going to be headed out next week. So, you know, it really doesn't make sense to risk it by opening up the practice facility yet again. Let's move on and talk a little NHL, because if you remember back a few months ago, the NHL was the first sport, the first major sport that announced plans of a restart. And now it looks like they might be behind a schedule. And and I'll get to that in just a second. So on Monday, the NHL announced that they have 15 confirmed positive coronavirus uh, tests during phase two of their return plan which includes voluntary workouts at team facilities. Mind you, again, this is much like the NBA, 15 players out of 250. Again, that equates to about 6%, okay? Next, the NHL also announced, they didn't announce this uh, forthright, but it is presumed that the two hub cities that the NHL is going to be using are both in Canada. We're talking Toronto and Edmonton for the restart. It was supposed to be Vegas. There was a lot of talk of Vegas. And up until like the last minute, teams were about to go to Vegas, I believe. But there has been a huge spike in COVID cases in in Nevada and, and in the surrounding area, Arizona and, and such. So they've decided that they are probably going to move this thing to Canada where it's more so contained. Now, this just came out today or a couple hours ago. The NHL has delayed the start of its phase three. Phase three was supposed to begin opening training camps. It's now on hold as nego- ne- excuse me, negotiations with the Players Association over a restart plan and revised CBA continue. This is more so like health plan guidelines and safety issues. Training camp has was supposed to start on July 10th. It has been moved back to at least July 13th, and it could be pushed back even further. So the restart plan for the NHL right now is up in the air, and hopefully this is something that they can get fixed quite quickly. All right, next up, let's dive into some baseball news. Okay, this is some heavy stuff here. Ian Desmond has added his name now to the growing list of players electing to skip the baseball season. I spoke a little bit about it on Monday. You had uh, Nationals first baseman Ryan Zimmerman backing out, Mike Leake, and then some um, relief pitcher for the Nationals as well. And now you add Ian Desmond to this list. He took to Instagram to explain why he is opting out of the season. His post read in part, in clubhouses, we've got racist, sexist, homophobic jokes, of flat out problems. We've got cheating Astros. We've got a minority issue from the top down. One African-American GM, two African-American managers, less than 8% black players, no black majority team owners. If baseball is America's pastime, maybe it's never been a more fitting one than now. Okay. Now he does go on to explain that he will be devoting his time off to helping Sarasota Youth Baseball get back on track, in his words. This is where uh, Ian Desmond grew up and played as a kid. He is a biracial uh, person. You know, he is half, he, he is of mixed race. And for him, he was, I, I guess this all spurred from he was back at his little league and he goes to talk about how a young boy that started going to the Nationals Youth Baseball Academy at 12 years old really started to you know come into his own and find himself. But then when he was 18 years old, he was shot 31 times and killed by a 16-year-old boy. 
he explains that we need these academies in every community so kids have a place to go, a safe haven be, uh, for, um, because, excuse me, yeah, he a safe haven for, for a lot of these kids that grow up in these inner cities. Baseball has become so expensive that they cannot afford to play. So if you have these camps where they can play for free, it gives them, you know, gets them off the streets and it gives them, you know, a sense of community and a sense of pride where they can go. And it's a safe haven because um, those probably from the time he was 12 till the time he was 18, he says he those were probably the best years of this kid's young life. And, um, you know, we need more of this in these communities. And, and he said that there should be one in every single community. He also does go on to say that he has a pregnant wife at home and four, four other kids um, to take care of. And that's why he is going to elect to skip this season, which that to me is totally valid. He has a legit um, reason. I mean, he is using his power and his money and, 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 you know, who he is as a major league baseball player to influence change. Okay. And so he's going to go back to where he started his baseball career as a little leaguer. And he is going to put time, probably put money into rebuilding the, the little league where he's from. And, and to me, that's just so great. And, you know, I don't fault him in the sense I've been talking about, and I've been harsh in recent weeks about how I think these athletes are being selfish by not going and playing. But to me, this is an actual legitimate um, reason and, and he's going to use his time wisely. So if he has to miss the season, then that that's that's his prerogative, and, and I can't fault him one iota for for choosing to to make a difference in his hometown. Okay, to something a little light, more lighthearted and funny. Tuesday was the start of July. It was July first. Okay, and. Every July 1st, we know what that is. It's Bobby Bonilla Day, baby. Everyone knows the story. Since 2011, the Mets have been paying Bonilla $1.2 million every July 1st, and it's going to continue for another 15 years. So how how did this go about? Well, he was owed $5.9 million, but the Mets decided to tie up that money with Bernie Madoff thinking they were going to get a great return on their investment. So they deferred the money to Bonilla. Now, most players are never willing to take the deferred money. They always want it up front. Well, Bonilla deferred it and it's the greatest robbery in the history of sports because, well, yeah, he's going to get paid for a seriously long time. You don't know about Bobby Bonilla Day, do you? Good things come to those who wait, and I'm going to be very patient. Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla. We just chilling. Bonilla will receive nearly $2 million a year every year from 2011 to 2035. Genius. I have that smile on my face. and like, that's it again. It's going to be hard to knock it off. The Mets paid Bobby Bonilla more than a million dollars today. Does that make any sense? I I just smile because I'm going to sit back and I'm going to take it day by day and I'm going to have the last one. Bobby Bonilla will be 72 when he receives his last check in the year 2035. Man, the greatest robbery in sports. And it couldn't be sweeter that it happened to the Mets. Uh, But yeah, no, Bonilla, man, that is every July 1st, no joke. Till 2035, this man gets over $1 million a year for doing absolutely nothing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay, also on Tuesday, Minor League Baseball announced that there will be no season in 2020 after Major League Baseball announced it would not be providing any players to their affiliated M, uh, excuse to their affiliated minor league baseball teams due to COVID-19. This is the first summer in the league's history that there will be no season. This is an absolutely huge blow to baseball, which, as you all know, is a sport already struggling for viewership. Many of these small minor league cities, they thrive and are sustained because of minor league baseball. I, 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 whether you like baseball or not, 
who hasn't been, I'm serious, who has not been to a minor league ball game with their family and just had an absolute blast? They cater these things to kids. They make it fun. The mascots running around the stands. You have a chance to get a foul ball. You have a chance to meet some of the players and get signatures. Uh, you have a chance to see guys on rehab stints. I saw Reggie Jackson, and we got his. Me and my dad got his autograph at, at a Trenton Thunder game. I've seen Robinson Cano play there. Uh, I just it, it's really going to suck for a lot of these local communities and a lot of these kids and these families that are not are now not going to get to go to minor league games. Uh, ba- major league baseball teams did announce that they're going to try to pay these players, uh, but I don't know. I, I forget how long this is going to last. I don't think they're going to pay them uh, for a full season or, or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's it's a struggle for both these communities and the players that are now probably going to be you know struggling to put food on the table. They might need to go out and get some get some extra jobs for the summer. Uh, but yeah, hopefully um, we can somehow get past this and get back to a minor league baseball season next year get back to a some some sort of normalcy that we are that we're used to next up and this literally just in a, less than an hour ago the major league baseball all-star game has been canceled for this season it is the first time it's been canceled since world war 2 the Dodgers were supposed to host this. They were scheduled to host this event, this All-Star game. They will now have to wait until 2022 to host again, as the Braves will be hosting in 2021. Okay, moving right along, we're going to get into the NFL and talk a little football. On Tuesday, the NFL announced they would be cutting two preseason games this year. They already canceled the Hall of Fame game, which if you remember, I want to say last week or, or two weeks ago, or, uh, or yeah, last week on last Friday's episode, I believe. If you remember at the time, I asked what they were, what the league was going to do with the preseason because the when they canceled the Hall of Fame game, I saw the schedule. The preseason was was supposed to start one week after that Hall of Fame game. So I said to myself, what in that one week is going to change where if they're going to cancel the Hall of Fame game, why aren't they just going to cancel the preseason games? And I was pretty much right. They have decided to cancel two preseason games. That is week one and week four. The preseason, let's be real, it's a joke anyway. Most of your stars don't play till the fourth preseason game. This is just a showcase for the, the for the rookies, the you know the undrafted free agents to make a name for themselves. We hate to see that there's always one or two players that ends up tearing an ACL in the preseason and ends up missing the entire season. So why don't we just get rid of the preseason altogether? I'm all for this. Get rid of, you know, weeks one and week four, have two preseason games, whatever. It is what it is. But um, according to Ryan Clark, he thinks that this will absolutely benefit the players. And, uh, you know, I definitely agree. You get an extra day of practice, an extra day of good on good, also an extra day in the classroom really benefits the teams coming off of an offseason like this that we've just never had. And so I think this is actually a good route to go in the future, not only this year, but more importantly, it's going to be about keeping guys healthy. And I think this is a step towards that. Look, let's not forget that in college football, players go right from training camp and they go into the season. Okay, they play one uh, scrimmage, one spring scrimmage, and then the season starts. So this is not like baseball where you have a minor leagues where they have all this time to, to prepare. No. In, in college football, they go right into games, and then they go right to the pros. Okay, so there's no need for a preseason whatsoever. It's not like guys need to play and get in a rhythm. No, no, no. They don't need that. So yes, this will absolutely benefit the players because let's face it, again, some of these players, these superstar players, they don't even play at all in the preseason. It's going to be interesting to see what the Tampa Bay Bucks do with a guy like Tom Brady, being that he has not played in this system before and being that he is, you know, the age that he is in his, you know, 40s. And they've got to be careful there because you don't want Tom Brady to get hurt in a preseason. So do I expect to see Brady play in that third preseason game? Probably. And I also think he might play a series 
in the second preseason game. But that to me is an anomaly. Most of these players don't need the preseason, uh, especially the vets. Okay, let's uh, let's keep this ball rolling. And let's get into one more interesting story coming out of the AFC East. There is one coach in the division that does not believe Cam Newton will be the week one starter. As we all know now, as reported on my episode Monday, Cam Newton, yes, he signed a seriously questionable contract with the Patriots over the weekend on Sunday. And we found out the details of it. It's one year at the league minimum. He can get it up to like six or $7 million with incentives. But this is totally, this is so Patriot-like. I mean, how did they go out and get a 31-year-old Cam Newton, a former 2015 MVP, went 15-1, and brought his team to the Super Bowl, albeit they got embarrassed by the Denver Broncos, but not the point. How did they go out and get a player of Cam Newton's quality for the league, the veteran league minimum. It's just a joke. And it, it's it's got almost collusion written all over it, right? Like, oh, the Patriots, you know, get Cam Newton for the league minimum. There's got to be some sort of, you know, cheating scandal going on there. But uh, just unbelievable. Now, this one, back to the story, this one coach from the AFC East had this to say about Cam Newton and the Patriots. Quote, I think they are going to keep three quarterbacks. Use Cam perhaps as the wild card. I actually don't see him starting week one in the offense. I know one thing for a fact. The Patriots love Jared Stidham. Now, the real question here is which coach said this? Because at first I thought, oh God, please don't let it be Adam Gase just running his mouth, right? But the... the the likeliest of answers here is that it would be Brian Flores of the Miami Dolphins because we all know Brian Flores was a coach with the New England Patriots, so he has a firsthand account of all of this. So it, we're probably not going to find out who this was, but just stirring the pot a little bit here, and we're going to find out. Um, this could have to do with the fact that you know limited limited time with the team, and who knows. But I do know one thing for a fact. Cam Newton is a diva type of player. He has this whole Superman attitude when he scores a touchdown and he's and when he's everything's going good, he gets real excited and, and lacks some sportsmanship, you could say. But when things are going bad, you'll see Cam on the sidelines. He's pouting. He has the towel pulled over his head. I'll tell you one thing. Bill Belichick will not stand for that. And if he has that attitude, well, then he's not going to last in New England very long, as we've seen with a lot of players. Josh Gordon couldn't last. Okay, Ocho Cinco really couldn't last here. Kenny Britt didn't last here. Lots of guys that are very talented superstar athletes, although somehow, surprisingly, Randy Moss thrived here. Some players get it. They understand the Bill Belichick, the militaristic way, the my way or the highway, and there's just other players that it's more about them than it is the team, and they don't make it. Uh, Bennett, Michael Bennett, he didn't make it here of recent. Okay, so yeah, it's going to... That's the one issue that I see with this is if Cam Newton turns into diva Cam and he's throwing the pouting and the towel over his head, then he's done. It's not going to last. But as of right now, I do see Cam Newton as the starter in day on day one going forward. All right. I did not want to get political, but I'm afraid that I do have to do so right at this moment because I've had enough of what's going on in, in society right now. And what's going on in this country, not even the world. It's well, China and India have their own like war going on right now, a little bit at the border there. So the world is a mess. We all know 2020 is an absolute disaster right now. I can confidently say besides 2001 with the September 11th terrorist attacks, this is the worst year on record of my life. I'm 28 years old. That's kind of a big statement. Okay. So we all know it's been a a terrible year so far. Well, the NFL is planning to play. This was just announced, I think, yesterday. The NFL is planning to play the Black National Anthem before all week one games. First of all, I didn't even know that there was such a thing as the Black National Anthem, right? This song is called Lift Every Voice and Sing. It will be played before the Star Spangled Banner. The actual national anthem in America Okay, because here's the problem that I have with society right now and with the media. 
They are making everything about race. Black versus white. No, 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 no. This is America. It is a mix of races. It's black. It's white. It, 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 it's, you know, it's everything in between. It is a melting pot, this country. And I just, I, I can't get over the fact that they continue to push everything about race. And the more you talk about it, the more it's going to exist and we'll never get up and get past it. And to go and make these change, like, is this not inherently racist in itself? The black national anthem. We don't call it the white national anthem. We don't call it the white star spangled banner, but yet you're going to call it the black national anthem. That to me is racist and it really bothers me and rubs me the wrong way. I have personally not heard the song. I'm sure it's great and everything. And I don't know how, if it's going to be played on an instrument or if someone is going to sing it, I don't know how I, I was told that it was used. They used it at the, um, a NASCAR event recently. And I believe, I believe it was played on a trumpet. I, I could be totally wrong. I'm not sure, but I don't know why I think that I might've seen that, but, um, they're all, the NFL is also considering putting names of victims of police brutality on helmet decals or jersey patches. Now, I will say one thing about that. If they're going to do that, you better not be putting names of criminals on there. I don't want to see names of victims that were, you know, police brutality but that they were fighting with the cops and that they initiated and started, you know, fighting with the police because those are not victims at that point. Maybe it is police brutality and they went too far, okay? But but this is getting out of control. And again, I don't want to make this political and, and, and or anything like that, but I'm just, I'm at my wits end. Like, when is this going to stop? When are we going to put these things aside and realize that we need to come together as one race, as one United States of America? And guess what? If you don't want to take my word for it, take Morgan Freeman's word for it, because he had the best line, the best quote I have heard in a long time. This was back from a couple of years ago, and I'm going to get to that in a second, but I'm sorry. This whole notion is ridiculous. The national anthem is America's song, okay? The last time I checked, black people make up America as well, and so do others. So now they are going to play a black national anthem. By using the word black, you are making it racist. Get rid of these notions of white and black and just I'm a person, you're a person. Why do we have to why do we have to mention skin color? And that's why Morgan Freeman said it best. Here's what he said. I love this. I don't want a Black History Month. Black history is American history. How are we gonna get rid of racism and stop talking about it? I'm gonna stop calling you a white man. Yeah. And I'm gonna ask you to stop calling me a black man. I know you as Mike Wallace, you know me as Morgan Freeman. Boom. End of discussion. Could that not have been said any better? I've always thought the same thing. Why do you have to relegate black history to a single month? No, no, no. Black history is American history. Blacks, whites were all part of America. Yes, there was slavery. Yes, you know, blacks have been treated unfairly in the past. I get all that. But now we're trying to change America so much. You cannot change history. Okay, and the more we continue to talk about racism and systemic racism and black versus white, it's never going to end. So we need to put it behind us and move forward together because I don't look at. I don't walk down the street and look at somebody that's black and say, oh, man, that's a black person and I'm a white person, so I must be better. No, it doesn't work like that. There are people, yes, that are racist, but like I've said before. This country is not as racist as the media is making it out to be. And that's my problem with it. Morgan Freeman is a black man in this country. He is a wealthy black man. He goes on to talk about how it doesn't matter your skin color. If you want to do something, if you want to achieve fame, if you want to be successful, you just go out and do it. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. That should not dictate how successful you are in life. Okay, your upbringing and where you come from, yes, that plays a role. But if you, but there's, I mean, I'm sure Morgan Freeman didn't grow up in the glitz and the glamour. How many times do we hear about this? Tiger Woods growing up, his life wasn't great, but guess what? His family pushed him. 
Tiger Woods would be like three years old and his father would would berate him when he was trying to hit a golf ball. He would throw things at him to try to get into to 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 make him a stronger human being. And that is called that that to me is unbelievable because that's how you push somebody to be great. The greats are not the ones that that just try a little bit and then they give up and then they try. No, the greats don't stop. You hear stories all the time. Some of these some of these profession these these professionals they push themselves. They work harder than anybody else. And it's no different whether you're black, white, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, okay? So I just absolutely had to play that clip from Morgan Freeman. It's from 2017, and he could not be more right, okay? I don't think we need, this is, I I don't believe this is what America needs right now, is to divide the country even more by during week one NFL games, you're going to play something known as the Black National Anthem. That, to me, is going to divide this country even more. And you're, I'm, I'm not joking. You're going to see the viewership in week one take a nosedive. You thought it was bad when players were kneeling. Now you're going to have players kneeling even more because the NFL is okay with that now, apparently. You're going to have players kneel even more, and you're going to play a black national anthem. The viewership is going to tank. And quite, quite frankly, I'm almost at that point where I'm going to maybe not watch in week one. And I am the biggest sports junkie of all time. And I watch every sport and this stuff doesn't really bother me, but you're politicizing it now. You're taking it too far. The f- people watch sports because they want to escape from reality. They don't watch sports for it to be a political, uh, a political show, if you will. Just No, no. And maybe that's insensitive and some view that differently, but I don't really care because I know the majority of America and Americans don't care what athletes have to say when it comes to social issues. Michael Jordan was a perfect example. Derek Jeter. Did they get involved with politics? Absolutely not. They they have a job to do and it's not to talk politics. So why does everyone else feel the need to butt in during social issues? We see it all the time now. We're, We're in this you know, this world of uh, of social media and LeBron has always got to chime in about something political. And a lot of times these players and these coaches and everybody else does not know what they're talking about and they look very foolish in saying it. And yes, you can, you argue that they have the platform and people will listen to them, but I'm sorry, that's not their job and I don't care. I just want to see you go out there and hit home runs or, or, or drop buckets or, or score goals or touchdowns or whatever. I don't care your political beliefs because once you start talking about your political beliefs and I don't feel the same way, then you you essentially lose me as a fan. And that's really not what you want to do if you're trying to, you know, monetize your yourself the, the best way possible. So hey, um with that being said, next. The Washington Redskins are going to review their team name. FedEx, which holds naming rights to the stadium, has joined with several other major sponsors in asking the team to change its name. The term Redskin is viewed as a racial slur. Nike has gone actually as far as to remove Redskin merchandise from its website. And now this morning, Adam Schefter tweeted this out. The Redskins did announce that they are undergoing a thorough review of the team's name. Listen, we live in a total cancel culture right now. Lady Antebellum and the Dixie Chicks had to change their names so you can bet your bottom dollar that the Redskin name is on its way out. And to me personally, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. What are they going to call them? I I don't even, you can't even use some variation of the name Red. They've been called the Skins as a nickname, but you can't use that now. So I don't know what they're going to change this name to, but here it is. Cancel culture. Bye-bye to the Washington Redskin name. It's like you're changing history. And I'm not somebody that likes a lot of change because I'm so used to it. But the Washington Redskins, like I hate, whenever we have name changes, it, it's never a good one. I mean, we had the Angels change their name and now they're the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, if that's not a, a mouthful. Uh, it's just, to me, it, it's ridiculous. Nobody... And, and back to the whole thing a couple weeks ago or a week and a half ago, Mississippi, there was this push to change the state flag. 
all this, there's always, there's been these push ever since George Floyd, there's been a huge push to end racism in this country, whether it's names, they took, they're taking off Woodrow Wilson's name from Princeton, one of the buildings at Princeton University, which is not too far from me. It's just like, you can change the name all you want. It doesn't eliminate the history of it. And all you're doing is you're taking, you're trying to take away history that's been there for centuries and generations. So change the Redskin name all you want. Everyone's still going to know they were once called the Washington Redskins. So I don't, I don't believe personally that that does any good by changing it. You're trying to hide from it. So what good is that going to do? To me, it just doesn't make much sense. Okay. Granted, if it's a racial slur towards Native Americans, Indians, then it is what it is. But I need to see what they're going to change it to because it's been this way for so long. Why do we all of a sudden now care about changing names and, and making all this change? Like all, it, it, it's been fine for, for generations. My whole life, nobody cared about this flag of Mississippi or, or whatever. And, and nobody cared that the Dixie Chicks were named the Dixie Chicks. I still don't know what the term Dixie means as to why they had to change it. I researched antebellum. I still don't get why they had to change that. It makes nobody cares about these names. I'm sorry. There's nobody that looked at the Dixie Chicks and said, oh my God, that name's racist. You need to change it until three weeks ago, until a month ago. This is absurd. Do we understand where, what, what we're doing and where we're headed in this country? This place is falling apart. And, and, and it, it just makes zero sense. The football player at, at Mississippi, oh, I, I'm, I refuse to play for the team unless they change it. Well, you committed to Mississippi State, right? You went there in the first place. You didn't have a problem with the flag then, but now all of a sudden it's a problem. Like, does, does that not sound ridiculous to anybody else but me? Am I the only one that sees this for what it really is? This is all a political gambit, people. You're playing right into the politics of it. Let's realize and look at it for what it is and realize that History is history is history. You cannot change it. You cannot hide it. You cannot move on. Well, you can move on from it, but you're not going to get rid of it. No matter what you do, no matter change. You think I'm going to call Lady Antebellum Lady A? No, 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 no. You think I'm going to call the Dixie Chicks the Chicks now? No, that's never going to be the case. They're always going to be Lady Antebellum or the Dixie Chicks to me. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They want to tear down statues of, of Christopher Columbus who founded America. Are you kidding me? Because what, he had slaves on his ship? Give me a break, people. I mean, give me a break. This is a joke. We are in a dire, we're in dire times right now. And this is getting out of hand and something needs to be done. Somebody needs to step up and, and, and talk about the truth and say it how it is. And I'm trying to do a little bit of that. And I never, never, never tried to talk politics all that much on the show. But like I said, I'm at my wit's end. And I just can't really contain myself much longer. It's been such a, a long, you know, three, four months being locked up in quarantine and seeing everything that's been happening around the country and seeing all the, the violence and the crime and the fact that people are looting and rioting and the police are literally having to run out of their precincts and watch them burn because they have lost control and nobody respects the police. Yes, you're going to have some bad eggs, but it doesn't mean that every single police officer is is a racist or uh, preys on, uh, on, on black people or whatever. So some of the some of the stuff I've seen is absolutely disgusting. Oh, excuse me. Now, real quick, I do want to mention one thing. There was a video that Donald Trump last weekend retweeted where a guy said white power. And what bothered me about that is, granted, you should never say white power, whatever. It's a white nationalist thing or what, right? But if you look at the context of it, all these news outlets, all they were showing, CNN, whatever, MSNBC, all they were showing and all the... Twitter, all they started showing was the guy saying white power. Now, this was like an old, this was like old people in Florida. They were driving by in their golf carts. They didn't say anything. All they did was they had Trump 2020 stickers and like American flag stickers and flags on the golf cart. And as they walked by, there was like a group of protesters, all other old white people. 
that were protesting, I guess, Trump or whatever. As they go by, a guy yells to the guy in the golf cart. He yells to him, where's your white hood, racist? And then another old lady, as they drive by, is almost in their face screaming, F Trump, F Trump, right? That's that's just great. That's that's what our children need to see. Talking about, you know, F the president of our of our nation, whether you like him or not, that's just vile and disgusting thing to say, right? But nobody wanted to show that part of it. The guy actually said, where's your white hood? White hood meaning KKK. They're calling these people racist without even knowing them just because they are Trump supporters. And that's the problem I have with America right now. So yes, granted, you're being screamed at and, and these violent th- vile things are being said to you. Yeah, you're going to say something to piss these guys off because you, you've had enough. And he could have called this woman a C word or a B word or whatever, right? For 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 yelling at them and, and whatnot. And nobody would have cared. But the second he yells white power, oh my God, he's a white nationalist. He's a racist. How dare him? Now Trump is retweeting it and Trump is a racist. And it's like, oh, no, 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 nice try. We see it for what it is. Let's look at the entire picture of this thing and let's dissect all of it. It's okay for the guy to basically call him a KKK and tell him, you know, ask him where his white hood is and call him a racist without even knowing him just for his political beliefs. We could all have. We could all be on different sides politically, right? You could be a Democrat. I could be a Republican or vice versa. It doesn't mean that I'm a racist for thinking one way or that you're a racist. Newsflash, the Democrats created slavery. They started slavery. Yet all they do is they, is they, they politicize the black, the black people and they try to use them for their vote. And most of them don't realize what the truth is and what's really going on. So again, I don't want to politicize this too much, but... I just found that to be a little bit disgusting that they were only going to show the guy saying white power when these other people were saying just as vile and disgusting things back to them without even knowing them. And that's part of the problem in America. Being a Trump supporter has been become synonymous with, with being a racist. And to me, that's just wrong and that's not right. And people are scared to, to, to show and, and, and to, for, to, 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 pride themselves in being a Trump supporter for that fear factor. You have athletes. Aubrey Huff has a great podcast, 13 episodes called Off the Cuff with Aubrey Huff. I've been listening to it. He talks about it all the time. There are conservative Donald Trump supporting pro athletes out there. They cannot voice their opinion. They cannot come out and say that they are Trump supporters for fear that they will be fired because they you know, they are maybe a rookie or they're up and coming in the sports world. And they are fearful that if they come out and say something that they are going to lose sponsorships or, or lose deals or fights or what have you. And that's just wrong. Okay. We, we should not be fighting as a nation. We need to come together as one and unite. We need to end racism by, by talking about it because it really doesn't exist in the way that they make it seem or, or, or make it, uh, you know, they prey upon us to, 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 to feel, um, the media is the problem. Okay. And that's why I don't even, I don't even watch the news anymore. Half the stuff I see on the news is videos that are posted on either Instagram or Twitter or or stuff that's trending. Okay. There was a, um, Hispanic private first class in the army. Her name is, I want to say her name was, uh, Vanessa Guillen. I believe 20 years old, she was murdered, missing since April at Fort Hood and in Texas. And it turns out that it was another member of the military that killed her because she found out he was sleeping with a married woman whose husband, I guess, used to work on this base. That guy killed himself and committed suicide a few days ago. And now they've arrested and, and are charging this uh, woman at his mistress, if you will, this married woman with, with, with hiding things and whatnot. And they found this woman's remains. And it's absolutely pathetic and disgusting that this, this woman had to be murdered. He bludgeoned her to death with a hammer. You are in the military. You should not be acting like this. And you see it on Twitter, but I don't think that the, the real media on television is covering this story. And they need to be because we need to stop talking about COVID, stop talking about racism, and let's talk about the real issues, what's really going on in this country. Because until a couple months ago when George Floyd was killed 
by a psychotic police officer who had a clear history with this man, there was no issue really. Yes, we knew of police brutality, but more whites are killed by white cops than blacks are. It's just stats. So again, I probably ranted for way too long on this, but we're at the end for the most part. And we're going to wrap this thing up. I've got a couple more things to talk about. And then I'll get you guys out of here so you can enjoy your weekend. Okay, so in other news, the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement approved betting on the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, which of course takes place tomorrow. This marked the first time in history that a state has done so. That is awesome. I live in New Jersey, so that's great. Since then, both Colorado and New Hampshire have also given the green light to bet on the event. All bets must be placed before the contest begins at 12 p.m. tomorrow. I always sleep so late on the weekends that I'm always like missing this uh, contest. But last year, I happened to watch it. I was up early enough. I plan on watching it again tomorrow. I don't know that I will bet on the event because it's ridiculous. You have Joey Chestnut as the overwhelming favorite. He opened at over 12, I think it was like minus 1250 odds. He's now at minus 1000. So you would have to spend $1,000 just to win a hundred. You better believe it. Somebody is going to be that guy that bets like a million dollars on Chestnut to win and is going to make buku bucks off of this. But the other option is you can either bet on Chestnut to win or you could take the field. The field is plus 550. Now, to me, this is just throwing money away because Joey Chestnut is an absolute animal. I think the record is like 74 hot dogs or 77 hot dogs, something like that, which he did in like 2017 or 2018. But hey, if you want to throw 10, 20 bucks on the field at plus 550 in the off chance that somebody does win, you'll make some decent money. But uh, to me, the better bet would be on the women's side. If anyone's going to lose, it would be Mickey Sudo. Yes, she is also an overwhelming favorite at minus 835, the field being plus 500. But if you watched last year, Mickey Sudo was a little bit under the weather and she underperformed. So you could argue that, that she has the best chance of being upset. Now, let's talk real quick about the Rocket Mortgage Classic. The PGA event is currently underway. Okay, you've had some talks in recent weeks of golfers coming out with coronavirus. Some golfers skipped last week's event. Right now, um, it's it's holding strong. You have uh, the third round is underway uh, right now. Excuse me. The second round is underway right now. And you have, wow, okay. Um, you have a couple guys at the top here. Excuse me. Um, I'm trying to pull this up on my phone as I do this. You have Bryson DeChambeau. He's five under for the day. There's a, oh, there's a four-way tie at the top. Um, so this is going to be interesting. You have a lot of guys still in this. You have, um, of course, I mentioned DeChambeau. If you know anything about him of late, he gained some weight and he has been driving the ball like an absolute monster. He's averaging like 350 on his drive through this event. He hit two bombs yesterday. It's just ridiculous how far some of these guys can hit the ball. I talked about Dustin Johnson hitting it over 350 yards um, on the 18th at last week's event. But yeah, this is still anyone's game. You want to bet on this if you live in New Jersey or one of the other states that has legalized sports betting, you can bet on this. Coming into this event, I was actually liking Webb Simpson. Um, He's at six under right now which is not too bad. He's got some work to do. Um, I liked me some uh, uh, Ricky Fowler. I don't know where he is on this list, so that's obviously not good. He's probably um, had a bad start to his day right now. Wow. Um, Ricky Fowler is plus one. He's at four under. He's dropped down to 56th place. So, yeah, again, ways to go still. Um, The guys at top of the leaderboard today might not necessarily be there on Sunday, but this is something to look forward to, to watch, you know, it's sports. It's something to watch over the weekend, which I will be playing golf tomorrow. Did not have a great Saturday playing uh, last weekend as we got rained on at the 14th hole. Absolutely monsooned. I got soaking wet, looked like I jumped in a swimming pool, but we move on. Some breaking news and some of the biggest news ever. Five-star recruit McCurr Maker passed up on the likes of UCLA, Kentucky, and Memphis to commit to Howard, which is significant because he is now the highest-ranked prospect ever 
to commit to a historically black college or university since the ESPN recruiting database began in 2007. And one thing I want to say real quick too is, is it not racist that we have historically black colleges and universities as well where only blacks go? That to me is another just part uh, of this whole black versus white dynamic that needs to change. Granted, maybe some whites go there, but what white person would want to go to an all-black school? It's just, it's going to be very awkward and weird and whatnot. But the if we didn't have historically black colleges and universities, then we'd have more people of all races mixing and going to the same colleges. It's no different than segre- when we had segregation, the whites versus the blacks, right? The blacks could only drink at certain water fountains or go in certain bathrooms as the whites. This is no different. So again, I don't want to politicize this or anything, but I just, I've always found that so weird from the time I found out that there like was a such thing as a historically black college or university. Rutgers plays them, plays Howard or plays some of these historically black colleges like once a year in football. And that was probably years ago was the first time I, I found out that those existed and I couldn't, I, I see the field and I'm like, I, I understand that football has a lot of black players, but oh my God, there's no white players on this team. And then my dad tells me, you know, exactly why that is. And I just, that to me, I couldn't fathom. I couldn't understand why you would want to segregate black people to their own colleges rather than them mixing together and, and you know, competing as one. But this again this is for McCur Maker. He is an outlier, and this takes some guts and some gall because historically black colleges, they don't compete with the likes of UCLA, Kentucky, and Memphis. So, wow. I mean, this is a one-and-done situation for him more than likely, but it, it we're going to find out now if this becomes a trend and some more of these players start to go to these schools because if that's the case, then look out college basketball. It's going to change the landscape forever. All right, last but not least, we're on the final segment on this date in sports. There was a lot to choose from. A lot happened on July 3rd in the world of sports. But let's talk July 3rd, 2004, when Maria Sharapova won her first Grand Slam singles title, defeating Serena Williams 6-1-6-4 in the Wimbledon Ladies Final. At age 17 years and 75 days, Sharapova was the third youngest women's champion in Wimbledon history. If you don't know who Maria Sharapova is, just think, make every shot a power shot. With that being said, guys, ladies, folks, everyone, have a great, wonderful 4th of July weekend. You can celebrate. Just keep your social distance in effect. Follow the rules. We don't need to see this spread anymore because it's getting out of hand. I saw another 10,000 cases in Florida. But just use your, you know, use your brain because the kids at Alabama, I know that they're, you know, I called people down in the South Rednecks last week, but seriously, students at the University of Alabama, this is a PSA to you. Stop having COVID parties where you bring people with COVID to a party, you put uh, money in a pot, and the first person to get coronavirus gets the money. That's just asinine. Who does something of, of the nature? It's just... These kids these days don't think, and to me, this is the most vile and ridiculous thing that I've heard to date with Corona. There was the whole Corona challenge where people were licking toilet seats to try to get it. This trumps that. You have kids going to college parties to try and get coronavirus, and then you're paying them for getting it. That's absurd. So please stop. Let's put this to an end. We're we're smart. We're a smart society. We, 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 We don't need to look any more foolish than we already are. But with that being said, guys, I'm the Pody. It is Friday, July 3rd, and tomorrow is Independence Day. So enjoy the weekend, celebrate, do what you have to do. But again, be smart about it. Don't host Rona parties. I'll see you guys next week, maybe on Monday, another Monday episode. We'll see. But I'm the Pody, signing out.